and we are recording Mr. Nyquist's first time in the new studio, fourth time overall, first time in the new studio, and uh, today is Sunday, November 20th, 2022 at 4.29 p.m. Eastern time, and uh, what's this, episode 994, and uh, so as I re- I delayed and then rescheduled on you, and I was telling you I had back spasms, and I've never had back spasms before. And it was on my latissimus dorsi in the left and right. And it, it, it's not like it even happened in the gym or something. I did two podcasts. that I went to the gym that morning, did two podcasts. It was fine. Went to Walmart. And as I was checking out, I mean, I honestly must have looked like I had become possessed by like an Old Testament demon. I just started like jerking wildly. And I was like, I was like, what the, and it was, it was that, it, it was a pain that quickly escalated to like, ow, to like, oh my God, to like, keep your cool. You got to get out to your car. And well, like, you've been moving. So you've been lifting things and lifting real objects as opposed to weights or being at the gym is a different thing. It is a very different thing. I definitely learned that. And, uh, and, uh, I got, a, I got a huge blister on my left ankle the day I moved in. And, uh, I, I guess, I guess I it like cut last night because I woke up this morning. Well, I went to the bathroom like middle of the night and it looked like there was like leaves on my like kitchen and bathroom floor. It's like tile. And it was kind of like dark. And I was looking, I was like, because it's just like spots. And I was like, fuck. And I like wiped my foot on it and it smeared. And I was like, what? Oh, no. And I, just... <laughs> in my, and I turned on the light. My foot was just bleeding profusely. And oh, I was boy. like, I was like, well, that's so going through all of the uh, the gauntlet and the tribulations of moving in. But I mean, as I said to my mom on the phone last night, my life is better than 99 percent of people who've ever walked the earth by virtue of the fact I have power and running water. So maybe I should just stop bitching and uh, be happy I got here. But uh, aside from that whole pity party, Mr. Nyquist, how are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. It's I'm a little dressed warm because it's uh, we've been it's like 20 degrees outside and the heating system's not quite adjusting. We've been snowed in a couple feet of snow in the last three days here in northern Michigan. So, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. It's actually quite beautiful. I love um, the snow so much. I love the cold and I haven't gotten in. I haven't gotten a dusting of it. I'm very jealous of you. You live too close to the Atlantic and the warm current coming up from the south. No, that's what everyone's saying. And I just moved in and I have no intentions of moving out anytime soon. So the weather's just going to have to adjust for me. It's going to have to change because I'm not. And I know that may seem uh, egocentric and uh, messianic, and it is. Well, you're going to get cold weather. I think we got a cold winter here. Uh, this is more a bigger snowstorm than we had all winter here last year. And we're not even in winter. It's still mid-November. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, the uh, I, I, uh, just to scandalize those people who believe in global warming, uh, the, the extent of the ice this summer, the ice never went back as far as it often does uh, the extent of the ice in the summer was the greatest they'd seen in many years so we're going to have a cold one this year in terms of winter i think Hell yeah. in north america and in in northern europe and and eurasia Hell yeah um to uh to kind of go in 180 degrees uh 
as of last night, I think Trump was reinstated on Twitter, which I know is the the lowest hanging fruit for our our drama chasing monkey minds. So I'm mm. becoming that which I hate. You know, can you believe she wore that dress? But man, well, they is. they just uh, we just had the midterm election. Uh, it is the topic of the hour. It is you've got uh, Trump having announced that he's going to run again. Oh yeah. Um, uh, of course, it it was expected. Um, of course, will he remain in good health? Uh, this is uh, you know the 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 next the the next election is two years from now. Is he going to be in good health till then? Uh, is he going to be in the good graces of um, the electorate till then? And is he going to be eligible? Uh, if he gets uh, charged with a felony, they're going after him uh, on tax evasion, right? Mm -hmm. um, so these are questions like, uh, I wouldn't necessarily automatically assume he's going to run. Although if I'm a Democrat strategist, I would want to go against him. And the Republicans, the poll, it was kind of surprised. There's some polls in some states showing DeSantis was significantly ahead of Trump now. Mm -hmm. Trump made a good impression. I'm told I, I heard different things from different people from his speech. I didn't watch it just because I I don't I try not to watch Trump that much. I'll I'll read some things. Um I just wrote an essay about um, you know, I don't write a, a lot about domestic politics because it's sort of baked into the cake of everything else I write about. And I'd rather uh, refer to it elliptically because everybody's crazy. They actually believe these narratives, these domestic narratives and the fights and the ideological contests and the, you know, and I, and, and it's not just, you know, people say, oh, you're, you're saying we're all stupid. Well, no, I was listening to Kim Stossel and a bunch of people at the Hoover Institute. I think they're completely off their, their rocker when they talk about domestic politics, that they actually talk as if our institutions really function. Yeah. As, if, as if the people that are running are actually in their right minds, if the politicians and the spokespeople and the media people are actually in reality at all. They're, look, if a person's disconnected from reality, they're not in their right mind, right? Yeah. And so it's like, but wait a minute, you do understand, you know, it, it, this is the thing. Look at Fetterman. He got elected in Pennsylvania. Everybody made a big deal about it. he had a stroke and he can't talk right, right? And he has to use some kind of computer to interpret what he's hearing because his brain isn't connected up right because of some damage. Well, that shouldn't be the issue. Yeah, that's the weirdest and worst critique I've ever seen of him, that he had a stroke. Like, I mean, that actually makes him more qualified than it was before. Well, if anything, it just, it also it also dehumanizes you. If you're attacking him, he had a stroke. What? Like, I what? That's one thing I've been watching where I'm like, I haven't watched a single thing you said. I don't know a single thing you said. All I've seen about him is tabloid headlines. But the only thing I've taken away is like, who in their right mind is is dumb enough politically and also shallow enough to attack? attack a guy for having a stroke like what it was all over fox it was all it, over fox they attacked him for the fact that he look what are his policies what does he believe in what he believes in and what he's able to say when he can speak is so nuts and crazy that the fact that he can't articulate is to his advantage now yeah. and they're 
they're making his advantage into something bad. <laughs> I mean, mental competence is definitely important, right? They made Trump take the test. Biden should. I mean, he's he's clearly exhibiting signs of, as of clearly exhibiting signs of dementia. I mean, we now know retroactively that Reagan definitely was. I mean, FDR, he died of a stroke. I mean, FDR was practically drooling on himself the last months of his presidency. Yeah, he had bad moments. He had a stroke in Warm Springs, Georgia, and obviously Truman Truman took over. I mean, mental competence, is that's definitely a thing, sure. Um, But if it's like, uh, if it's not mental competence and your ability to formulate thoughts, if it's just... A momentary disability or even a permanent let's say you're blind or deaf that's not a critique as long as the things function no matter what your ideas are you know we are in a we are in a in a country where you can vote your ideas and if they're not for me that doesn't mean they're not for everyone i, I understand that attack them on those just for the merits of the argument it doesn't but to attack them that's attacking fdr for being in a wheelchair like dude yeah. I, Hit them on 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 whatever policy you don't like. The the thing is, is that I I, I don't, you know, they will attack somebody for being woke. But what's really disturbing about Fetterman is that is his whole persona, his whole, I don't know, his whole demeanor, his whole way of approaching things is like, do you want a person? Let's, you know, get rid of the stroke. Do you want somebody with these ideas to be in the United States Senate? And it's. It's absolutely frightening that he would be in the Senate. I don't know uh, with those ideas. I don't know a thing about him. And maybe that that is a testament to the stupidity of attacking him for having a stroke. All I know is that he's the guy that had a stroke. Yeah, that's pretty much well, you know, you could say I'm in I'm the average. So I'm normally somewhat plugged in just by virtue of the fact of doing podcasts and interviewing people. So even if I don't watch the news, I get it through them. But. Because for most of November, the fact that I've been just packing and unpacking and not really plugged in, I could in this sort of 20 day, 21 day, three week bubble. I am I am the average voter who's not really paying attention. And through that, this little microcosm, I'm the person that is only receiving news through tabloid tabloid headlines, either the the right smashing someone or the left smashing someone or the right holding someone up or the left holding someone up. I'm only seeing he- and as inaccurate and as, as uh, fantastical as tabloids are, there's also a Venn diagram of truth. You can get from it. The only thing I've gotten about Fetterman is that, that he's the guy with the stroke. That's not good, man. That ain't good to, to, uh, to only have that, that, that is the way most people got it. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem is the level of discourse is so low already in terms of what the politicians know, what the public can absorb, and the level at which they can discuss things is so low already. I'm not sure that him being inarticulate is even even significant. Yeah. I mean, the fact is most of them are, in terms of real understanding, it, are in, inarticulate. They're not able to actually describe reality accurately. And the, and the problem is, is that most of what we have, the real problem we have, the thing that's dangerous is we used to have a free country where we could discuss things and we could actually um, ask questions. We could question things and say, look, this isn't right. We, we have uh, 
we have the right to disagree. Now, if you disagree or you question certain things, you're taken off of social media, you're penalized, you're ostracized. There's three main questions that we're not allowed to ask. We're not allowed to question global warming because that is, you're, you're now, you're a science denier. You're not allowed to question the vaccines because then you're a science denier again, as if science is a consensus, right? As if uh, Galileo wasn't made to recant, as if people haven't opposed scientific, real scientific understanding all for hundreds of years. It's always opposed. For it's all not, the there's history. usually all truth is advanced by a handful of people that do it against other people who basically want to kill them for being <laughs> right. You know? it's, it's never yeah it's never cheered on by the mass no it's never cheered on so the idea that a bunch of mediocrities can get to together or bureaucratic mediocrities and decide what the truth is and tell everybody else to shut up that's totalitarianism right so so okay so we have those two narratives we have you're a science denier about global warming or the vaccines and by the way we know the vaccines were experimental we know they weren't properly safety tested so where do you get that it's scientific to say that it's safe and effective when now everybody knows they weren't effective and now we're finding out they weren't safe? And see, this is the moment that I would just mute you and kick you off if I was in charge. Right. That's good. Shut right. up. Yeah, I you're can't not allowed to say. Can, right. You can't exactly. address the facts. So you you're just, not allowed to say those things. And and so in the third thing you're not allowed to say is that that the there's something wrong with the elections we don't trust these elections because there's certain statistical anomalies. I mean, more Hispanics and blacks are voting were voting for Trump. So how does he lose in 2020 when he had fewer blacks and Hispanics voting for him? It's like, and there's these things like in what, in 2010, you had, you had 2.5 million more Republican votes and the Republicans picked up over 30 something more seats. And this time they have, more than twice as many votes they win by, and they're only going to pick up, you know, as many seats as I can put on the fingers of both hands, right? It's like vaccine inefficacy. I said this when I had on Dr. McCullough one time, is the the beauty of the truth is it is so powerful and so self-evident that not only will we be proven right in time, the truth doesn't need us. We could maybe facilitate it, but it's coming out Someone could shoot me in the head today, delete all the episodes. The truth about vaccine efficacy will still come out. It will come out. And I think much like vaccines where the CDC is now coming out and saying, hey, us saying don't take ivermectin. That was they actually had government lawyers argue it. I think two days ago, like 48 hours ago. This is November 20th, 2022. About 48 hours ago, it came out that. They had government lawyers argue on their behalf that uh, linguistically they only used it as a recommendation and never said there was a, a decree or illegal or actual medical advice. Everyone, everyone with half a brain cell witnessed with their own eyes the the slander and the 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 Nuremberg violating putting down of a proven generic medication for it. But much like that, if we just witnessed this total 180 of two years ago, so deep drowning in the mass formation psychosis to now it's like laughable, like, hey, you couldn't say that two years ago. Where are we going to be in 2024? And I think you're hitting the nail on the head. The numbers don't lie. 
there's something hairy with the election. And that doesn't mean all elections. Two guys I've interviewed multiple times and I've met and I've become friends with. I'd like to think they're my friends is Joe Kent from Washington State and Anthony Sabatini from Florida. Sabatini lost his election back in, I want to say, October. And Joe Kent, it's down to the wire, and it will be impressive if he manages to to win or even uh, get a recount. I'm not sitting here screaming fraud because in, in Washington State, they have an incredible, it has to go by a neutral person opens it, and then it has to be examined and signature matched by a verified Democrat, and then examined and signature verified by, or an exam signature matched by a verified Republican. And then you can go online and actually see a photocopy of your ballot and see how it was tallied. You can cure it. That is, that's, that's impressive. And so when the guys I like lose, that sucks. It's a kick in the nuts. But it's okay to lose. It's okay to get a bad grade on a test because you go, fuck, this feeling sucks. I studied really hard for it. But okay, I can do better next time. When the game is rigged is what leads to violent revolution. So I don't want anyone who you're just saying it's because you lost. I have two guys that I've met that I've gone out of my way to help. It sucks, man. It sucks. It sucks to lose. It's the worst feeling ever. I hate getting rejection for a guest, uh, a hypothetical guest for the pod. It's the worst feeling, but you can get better. So it's not even that they're all fraudulent. They're not. But it's very fucking weird. It's Well, it's complicated. Look, um, I, I would love, I, I've been meaning to go look at, at, at Gross Closes. He's the guy that wrote uh, Left Turn. He's a... a political scientist that's very clever with doing uh, analysis of numbers. Um, and one of the things I'd love to see him look at these numbers. W look, we know, I mean, I, I lived in Orange County many years, many moons ago, and it was Republican. And now Democrats are winning there. Well, you've got a huge immigration of you know people you know from uh, of mexican american background there you've had a population change you've got um the change with younger people are overwhelmingly more likely to vote to the left than to the right uh, because their schools are are putting these ideas in their heads mm -hmm. they were putting in these ideas in in students heads when i was teaching in, in high school and college only it didn't quite have the same effect now we get 30 years past the Cold War where people don't even know some of these basic terms and they have a lot less history than they had. And so now people don't even understand the most basic issues surrounding them. So they're much more easily propagandized by their teachers and professors, so to speak, to have a certain point of view um, and to not have the larger historical context. So we have mm, what people call it the dumbing down. So you look at elections, look, um, the Republic is over. People say, oh, that's too pessimistic. Um, no, the Republic's over when people can vote certain things, um, uh, when they, they, they will vote certain things, like somebody like Fetterman, or people would say somebody like Trump. Or There's a number of, look, Trump is a, this is a good example. Trump I think Trump wouldn't have been elected president if he hadn't been a reality TV star. I think that gave him the name recognition. You know, one of my readers criticized me for alluding to him as a reality. Look, Ronald Reagan 
really probably got elected in the 1980s because he was a TV star. We started electing celebrities, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have heroes anymore. We don't have leaders anymore. We have celebrities. This takes me back to something Nietzsche, Nietzsche had been friends with Wagner, you know, the, the composer who, who wrote the, the Ring Cycle and, and all these operas, Tristan and Isolde and all these other things. And, and he was very talented as a, as a composer, but um, uh, the case against Wagner, uh, Nietzsche says, Wagner's not a composer, Wagner's an actor, right? With, with Wagner, it's all these grand gestures. And he's making this statement. It was a, Jacques Barzon wrote a book about Wagner, Darwin, Marx, and Wagner, in which he said that these characters, Darwin, Marx, and Wagner, he didn't use the term actor, but he said that they were a new kind of genius in which their genius is, so, is sort of more a matter of their celebrity, right? Their ideas were not really very original to themselves, they borrowed other people's ideas and they sort of packaged them. And there was there was something um, not exactly authentic about all three of them. They all had talent. They were tremendously brilliant, but but they were they were put on the public as creating something brilliant and new that that was ingenious and something that was going to change the world. And the reality is, is that when you actually examine the actual ideas in Darwinism, in Marxism, in Wagner, you know, was kind of an ideologist. He wrote a lot. He had this, this anti-Semitic kind of ideology, and which is one of the reasons Hitler liked him. And and so you 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 take all that and you put that together and you go, wait a minute, there's something fraudulent. There's something fake. And the way Nietzsche put it is. Wagner's an actor, and it's the beginning of Jacques Brousseau said, um, genius or brilliant ideas as something that is um, advertised, given a lot of publicity, and you are creating a kind of myth around these geniuses that now, oh, Darwinism, you know, it's the truth, it's science, right? And, and later on, we find out that and you're you're in biology and you may violently disagree but later we find out look a science uh is is prediction so so what would you find if darwin is right and i read origin of species if darwin is right you have gradual changes right genetic variation and natural selection you have gradual changes over a long period of time creating bringing forth new species so on the fossil record you'd see this well what does a fossil record show same same basic animals for hundreds of thousands or millions of years, mass extinctions, some of those animals surviving in new animals, right? Mm -hmm. You don't see this grad. The fossil record doesn't verify Darwin. I mean, even uh, it was uh, Henry Adams in, the, in uh, the education of Henry Adams. He got into Darwinism back in the 19th century. And he even went, they all would all go fossil hunting, right? They'd be looking for, for fossils. And he finally, he, he realized wait a minute, the fossil record doesn't show this. It's not there. And then, and then you have real problems with probability. You have, you know, you, you have this problem of, well, they call it punctuated equilibrium, right? Where all of a sudden a, a bird hatches from a dinosaur egg because you can't find a way. I mean, how does a dinosaur learn to fly? It gets feathers. Maybe they had feathers, dinosaurs with feathers. And then they just started flapping their way, their, their arms or, you know, I mean, it's ridiculous. You look at something like the eye, 
how does an eye evolve, right? How does hearing, you either hear or you don't. If something's wrong with your hearing, you don't hear a darn thing. It can't evolve. It either is or it isn't. So they have all these problems with evolution. And they. it turns out, you know, this, this brilliant guy, he wrote a good book called Darwin on Trial um, some years ago. And he was a legal scholar from UC Berkeley. And he said, look, there's these problems with Darwinism. It's not really scientific. And the neo-Darwinists, even and a lot of neo-Darwinists at the time that the book came out, um, said to the author, uh, you know, you're right. We have these problems with Darwinism and with neo-Darwinism. So, so the thing is, is that, that, so getting back to what Barzun and Nietzsche were saying about, it's sort of an act. It's sort of a, a let's pretend this is true and these are geniuses and this is science. And it's science by the projection of images. And, and this is the really what I would say when we talk about the vaccines and we talk about global warming, we're seeing the same phenomenon. Only now it's at a, it's at a much more basic, much more dangerous level that we are getting right down to, you know, witch burning and um, believing in all kinds of hocus pocus and calling it science. Because now we have gone right off the track. And now we're calling whatever the consensus is of a bunch of bureaucrats who got degrees, scientific degrees, you know, someone like Fauci, right? You think what they do, what Fauci does is science? Or is it bureaucratic politics? And is the presentation on TV, look at how Fauci would go on CNN and have this love fest with the CNN, you know, uh, MC, the, the CNN um uh, reporter it's like this is not right so you get back to Nietzsche and Nietzsche says you know Wagner's not a composer he was but he's more than that he's an actor it, there's an act here there's a there's a pretend there's a make-believe that we're all supposed to go along with and so then it's very interesting when you get to Hitler who's kind of the first major politician and so-called statesman of this kind. Hitler was a performer. You can see it in his speeches. So you can, you can go and you can say, Hitler wasn't a statesman. Hitler wasn't a leader, a fearer. He was an actor, right? And you see the grand gestures, all the things you see in Wagner, all the things you see in Wagner, in, 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 in Marx, and in Darwin, you see in Hitler. And Hitler's even borrowing from Marx and Wagner and, and Darwin. He's, he's actually borrowing from all three of them. They, they, I mean, Nazi ideologies is kind of an amalgam of those things, along with the anti-Semitism. Well, anti-Semitism was in Wagner's thinking. So, so and, and, and it was all about these. And so what was the substance of Hitler? And now we have, so then it's okay, though, if we liked Ronald Reagan, he was a nice man. He did some good things. It's okay if we elect Trump. But then we've got Fetterman and who knows what kind of awful left-wing celebrities we're going to get in the Senate and maybe in the White House. I mean, where are we headed when this is what democracy is? It's like it's celebrity democracy. We're evolving towards this. And and then it's all on social media. It's all on your phone. The debate in memes. 
Not real debate, not even real language? I would say that is that is evolution now. Or is, is that... it devolution? Is evolution the right word? Evolution, it doesn't necessarily mean it's becoming more sophisticated. It means it's becoming, you know, the definition of fitness, capital F, is uh, the ability of a of an organism to raise offspring to the age where they can create offspring. It well, see, now you're you're accepting that the Darwin Darwin's concepts and categories are are right in some philosophic not, sense, right? In a from what I can see in my own life, I mean, I remember my genetics professor in college beginning teaching us about Gregor Mendel and saying everything I'm teaching you is wrong, but we're going to learn it in the way in which it was discovered. So you go through with these perfect equations of fitness and punctuated equilibrium and altruistic organisms and all this stuff. And then as you go on, you learn about like frequency and genetic mutation and you realize, oh, the whole thing is just kind of this gray area. It's, it's a lot more like an electron cloud probability of like, this is what we think happens in these environments where like the beak might become stronger here or like the hide might become thicker. But but it's explained in a way much like the way it was like when you're a kid, it's just like, yeah, you know, like the earth is a perfect sphere. And like, we, we know it's not, it's like an, it's like an oblong spheroid potato, but you know, for all, for teaching purposes, Bob has two apples. He gives one to Sally. How many does he have? It's much. So that is what I'm talking about in terms of evolution and that it is much more, it is much more nuanced, but it evolves for its environment or and does well, its environment evolve? Let me let me let me call into question the whole idea of using it even. Uh okay, so Hitler beat all the other German politicians and got total power in the Weimar Republic and and, and basically eliminated as he promised all the other political parties except his own. Mm -hmm. Does that make him more fit to lead Germany? Does that is that really survival of the fittest or is that some kind of a demented process in which Germany gets leveled in World War II? All of its cities turn to rubble and six million Jews and 55 million other people are are basically killed with yeah. countless injuries. That is – see, the thing is, is that you have to be very careful to claim that something that succeeds – is more fit because what succeeds may be uh, completely unfit. Fit doesn't mean good. I would say that. No, that well, was... they see. No, but it means fit. And the thing is, is that um, we don't even that is so ill defined in that the idea that what is the fittest in one minute, it becomes unfit in the next. Yeah. So what is Hitler fit and unfit at the same same time? He's fit in the way that a massive fire is the brightest and the hottest. And if that's how it comes down to, is that how you're defining fires? Then sure, it's good. But over the course of, let's say, three days, that fire is going to be a smoldering ash, whereas the tiny stove in the log cabin, that one goes keeps going all winter. So now you have to change your time frame. What is it's all well, the, 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 so the problem is that you don't know what fit is, because unless you have. Some you have to have an infinite of, timeline. Well, no, you have to have a higher philosophic perspective that tells you what is good and what is evil. You have sure. to know what's good and evil. The thing is, is that that what we want is not fit and unfit, whatever that means. 
because the fact is, is that every one of us is going to die and every one of us can be killed. I mean, mm -hmm. you get, get hit by a bus. It's an accident. Are you unfed? Um, the, the, the thing is, is that what is uh, good and what is bad is a better way of judging uh, sure. because and then you say, what is good for man? And then you have an idea of what human nature is. You have an idea of what human existence is supposed to be about, what it is about. And I think this goes to directly, and we've talked about this before, to the 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 etiology of uh, Aristotle, the cause and effect that that everything comes out of the divine ground, as Eric Berglund would say, um, that is out of God. All right. Uh, and so since human nature is not self-created, we didn't make ourselves. We come out of something else. And and that something else is a mystery, but it's also, um, it, it, there is some kind of divine, supernatural, mysterious thing involved here that we came out of. And that all the basic, the deep philosophers, you go back to the ancient, um, the classical Greek philosophy, or you go back to the Old Testament prophets, or you go back to the Romans and the Greeks, even the, in their cosmological gods, uh, they all did not see man as, as, as created himself. So we came out of something else. And that something else created all the other order that we see around us. I mean, you probably heard this, this uh, is, is quite brilliantly shown that uh, if gravity functioned just slightly different than it does in the universe there couldn't be life in the universe mm -hmm. because the process inside stars to make the elements of the periodic chart couldn't happen unless it was exactly calibrated i think they call it the calibrated universe right mm -hmm. so that everything's perfectly calibrated from from the 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 actual strength of gravity to the way the other, uh, uh, you know, the atomic forces work and the way electromagnetic forces work, if they were adjusted just slightly differently, there could be no life. And it's just like, it's amazing. It's like there's this huge spectrum of what they could be. And there's this narrow range of what they are. And only in that narrow range can life exist in the universe. So you're looking at something that was created and ordered in such a way that we could be here. But if it wasn't that way, we wouldn't be here to observe that. But we are order. here. No, but we are. I mean, we are you, here. If you win the lottery, you're going to say, if I was only one number off, I wouldn't have it. But you're there. Yeah, but you see, the there you go. You're assuming a, a lottery created this. No, 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 I'm not. I'm saying in the vast, in the vast. So let's look at our own, just our own solar system. Any of the other planets were fucked. But we're on this, we're on this paradise on Earth. Yeah, that but there's Earth. but there's millions of planets that they they now know that there's a lot more Earth-like planets in the universe than but they'd ever suspected, right? Let, let's just use our solar system. On any of those other ones, we're fucked. It's not that it was a lottery. It's that you can look at a spectrum of possible outcomes. So I think that there are probably an infinite number of just kind of shit universes where the proton decay is just a fraction of a percentage off and nothing can form. So, and that doesn't necessarily mean we are or are not created. To me, it's just an observation. It's, it's my own observation. I well, don't, the I don't thing know. is you're assuming uh, that everything that exists here 
all these perfect exact things are are accidents that have occurred no no, no i'm not in, I, in the cosmos right in I'm, a cosmos I'm, in which there is no intelligence right i'm not assuming that i don't i don't know i don't know if an if it's an accident i don't know if it's a loving creator i don't how, know how how could it be how could it be an accident when that you if you actually calculated the odds of this being here and by the way this universe this physical universe it's not infinite as Aristotle pointed out, anything that actually exists is finite, right? right? We know how big it is. We know approximately the size of the universe and we know how old it is. And so it hasn't been here forever. It's not going to be here forever. So it's finite in time. And and the thing is, is that, you know, you, as, as has been pointed out by Aristotle and has been pointed out by uh, Jupiter, uh, not um Schopenhauer, sorry, is that um, the idea of a of of a universe in which there is no living thing? It, how would you know that it existed? You Why would it exist? You wouldn't. Yeah, you, you can't. No. It's like you can't no. fathom nothing. And the thing is, is that that it turns out that the universe, the idea of a purposeless mass of of something, that. Um, that isn't is dead existing somewhere without consciousness um aristotle kind of uh, his his proof is of the origin of the physical universe from mind is pretty decisive you know okay you know the physical universe every cause has an effect and every effect has a cause nothing in this universe can be without it being caused by something else right? mm -hmm. the problem is since the universe is finite, finite, going backwards in time, you can't have. There's no infinite chain of cause and effect. Yeah, there's. there's so you have yeah. to have a first cause, and that first cause cannot be physical. Yeah, you have. It to have has it. to be. And what else is there other than the physical? The mind. Mm -hmm. it's the only other thing we know of that exists. So that means that mind was the first. Some kind of mind was the first cause of matter. Yeah. So it's not there's not a randomness in the universe. And that and that could be that could be right now. Right. And so this is the divine ground. And uh, so this is the divine ground that 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 basically you find in Aristotle's metaphysics and that is referred to by Bishop Barclay who says if a tree falls in a forest and there's no one there to hear it is there any noise? His answer is no. There's no noise because noise implies consciousness well, awareness right well there's there's sound but there's not, not if anyone not if no one can hear it well, well if sound is the is the the pattern of spaces and collapses in between particles moving that exists but the the sensation of hearing doesn't exist if i have a if i have a blue index card in my pocket it's it's there but I'm not looking. I'm not observing the blueness. The blueness is there, but I'm not looking at it. So the sound, the physical form of it happening. That right now, if a micro, if a micrometeorite hit the moon right now, just the size of a marble on the far side of the moon, probably happens a thousand times an hour. I have no fucking idea. I'm pulling these stats out of my ass. It's it's prop. What what little atmosphere is up there? It is propagating the collapses and expansions between particles. No one's there to hear, but it is happening. 
So the noise exists or the sound exists by definition of what sound is. But there is, t- correct, there is no one there to hear. See, what it is, is if if nobody ever came around and saw the crater or the evidence of it, what would it exist? What would that existence mean? If it had no effect in the universe, and of course, I think that in the physical universe, there's a massive interconnectedness of everything. And the, the big interconnectedness is consciousness. Consciousness connects everything. Consciousness is, we live in the metaxi, right? We live in the in-between, between matter and, we're conscious between matter and that divine ground, that consciousness. So we are, we are both conscious and we are living in this physical universe. That's our condition. And um, that is that is the very basic thing you have to start with if you're going to do any science, and especially social science, political science. As you, and this was what Eric Verglund pointed out. You have to be able to place yourself in the universe, okay? And that is the, and that's what you you have to do that. And so you have to have, I mean, the Greeks didn't actually have the word, you know, they didn't, it wasn't Aristotle's metaphysics. We call, we use this term metaphysics, but it it's, it's not really, it's, it's basically just, it's, it's philosophy, the philosophy of the most fundamental realities that we can account for, right? That, that we're here and that we're conscious of it and that anything that we're, anything that we're never conscious of or see no evidence of ever is not part of it. In, until we become conscious of it. Well, then, but you see that we're conscious of it then. Yeah. See, the but thing it, is, is that the thing is, is that the future and the past are all part of the continuum. So remember, I said that we're never conscious of. It just get, isn't part of it. If we're never conscious of something, in all of history and all of time, then it it is it just simply is not part of it. Sure. Because what it is is, if you think about it, everything that is in the in the human sense is we're aware of. Mm-hmm. If we're never aware of something, it's not part of our world. Everything that we're never going to be aware of and is never going to be in our consciousness. It is not part of our universe. Now, we don't know what because it stretches out in time because we don't know all those things that are going to be. We're going to have discoveries, right? We're Mm going to find things out. But it's important to have that understanding. And we don't. And because we live in this place, we don't have omniscience. We don't know all the things that are going to be. We don't even know all the things that have been because our consciousness can't extend back but it's but it's been in it's part of as you say the cause and effect of all this stuff is the summation of all that that has gone before in the material universe but the the important thing here is is that um there is so w- when you talk about truth and you talk about this situation that we're in right now and that you're accounting for you you have this incredible responsibility in this metaxi where you are because not only do you perceive but you also have to act in it Mm -hmm. with imperfect knowledge of course 
which means you have a responsibility in a way to know as much as you can, to understand as much as you can, because what your actions do in the world is going to produce effects. Mm -hmm. right? Everything, you know, whether it's intentional or unintentional and knowing more about what the effect of what you do is, is important because you could be killing off your posterity, right? Mm -hmm. You could be adopting abortion because women want to work and you want to give them maximum freedom. And 16 generations later, there's no human beings left. Yeah. Or you could right? be... And nobody says that. No, it's your right to exterminate the human race by advocating this. What are people going to say in the future when they realize they're dying out and they can't get women to be moms? Oh, we don't want to be moms. Is And, and the thing is, is that do we as responsible beings have the right to put this propaganda, propaganda into the mind of our women to say, oh, honey, you want to get a job and have a career. You don't want to be a mommy. That's bad. Being a mommy is bad. Being a mommy is like a degraded position, right? And then we call this feminism, right? Honoring the feminine, which it is the opposite of. So we have these, these incredible confusion. And where does that confusion come from? The confusion comes from, we automatically assume that this is an accident, that there's not a design, there's not a God, and that the feminine isn't from something divine, and that we can simply insult it and say, if a woman is in another version of a man who has the right to have a career and power and all the and the money and all the things a man has, then she's she's being disrespected as a being. And and in doing that, we're disrespecting the feminine. I think and we could. don't we don't see it because we don't believe in divinity. We don't believe that there's an order in the universe and we're not respecting that order. And we don't respect that actually there's a hierarchy of being and we're not on the top. And there's a hierarchy of being between humans too, maybe equal before the law, but not equal. No way. You know, it, I think in terms of the, the idea that, you know, you could, you don't have to be a mom. I'm all for just absolute absolute freedom that's really been just shaped by doing this podcast for three years to the point where it's just when someone says you're spreading harmful information i'd say you're an adult i think you can tell a woman anything you say you don't have to be a mom or you could say you're a kimono dragon i think an adult with a functioning mind will will do what they want to do and a woman might go through whatever and eventually conclude she wants to be a mom or a CEO. I mean, 10 years ago, I would have called you brain dead if you had suggested that not only would I be something other than a doctor, but that I would willingly choose to be something but a doctor. Sitting in a room with neon lights doing a podcast, I would have said you're high. But now I can't see any other universe that I would exist in. So I think that in a way is kind of a form of, of selection. You should be able to be presented with any information. A functioning adult will fine hone their empirical observations and do what they know they need to do, if that makes sense. Well, how do people know what to do? I don't know. How do you know what to do? How do I know what to do? I have to I have to define, you know, what I believe in. I do believe there's a God. I believe that I'm here to do good, even on days I don't want to do good. 
Uh, I know I like to eat food, but I shouldn't always eat when I'm hungry because I also know that I've, I'm no longer in a state of starvation on the African plains that I will get a, a rubber tire around my belly if I'm not careful. I know that I need sleep, but I can't get too much sleep. I know that I like to learn. And I know that my changes or that my views get challenged and changed over the years. And I know to respect my elders, love those around me because they'll soon be gone. And I try to what plant trees whose shade I know I won't sit under because that's when society grows great. I'm 32. That's like my thesis so far. And I'm trying to act within that that thesis. And in five years, I'm sure I'll add a couple bullet points to that. So but you're exactly know. half my age. Yeah. So I don't, so I don't, so how do I know what? I don't, I've been, you know, like a Roomba bouncing around a, a room or yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just figuring this thing out as I go. And I think I'm getting more fine honed as I go, but how do you learn through brutal trial and error? My, and I was raised by wonderful God fearing America loving parents who instilled in me the, just the best value. They receive a 99.999% on the, on the parenting grade point average. And what did I do? By virtue of the fact that they were strict, I rejected it for several years. So even if you did hand me all the knowledge so I didn't have to learn by trial, something in me still said, nah, fuck that. I'm going to be an angsty teenager. And then go experience and a baptism by fire and I come full circle and I'm like, no, they were right. And then had they not told me that, I'd probably be sitting here saying, well, if I had good parents, I wouldn't have had to go through that. But I did have good parents. And I put myself in a situation where I rejected it. So how does any human know what to do? You don't. You 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 define your you define your morals, what you believe in, and you act within those bounds and try to be better tomorrow than you were yesterday. Well, if you had more limited options, would you view things differently? If I had more limited what do you mean? Well, you look at the way people who have more limited options view the world. They view the world very differently than. Oh, oh, sure. If so, if I if I if I didn't have a, a if I didn't have loving parents whose home I could move into when my mental health plummeted, I probably wouldn't be doing a podcast. I probably would have stuck with medicine. I probably because a limited more more limited option. I would be looking at less of am I happy, and I'd be at thank God I have employment and financial security. So if I had more limited options, I probably would have stayed would have gone to medical school and counted my stars, my lucky what, stars. What if, you know, now that we've gotten into this kind of notion of freedom that we have, what if our options are really a lot more limited than we imagine? And that the choices we think we have, uh, look, you can always choose to do something that's going to destroy you. But uh, normally a human being is not going to pick self-destruction. Mm -hmm. But if the human being is sufficiently disoriented, he will he will imagine he's free to do these other things and he's really destroying himself or he's destroying his society. He's destroying the whole, um, the whole order on which makes his existence possible. Mm -hmm. And so what really troubles me is that um, look in, in, in part of the basic orientation is, and, and people, people who live in a much poorer, more, and uh, and and more ancient societies in the middle. If you lived lived in the Middle Ages or lived in antiquity, you would know, without fail, much more surely whatever class you're from, whatever part of society you're from, you would know pretty much your choices, mm -hmm. and you would know pretty much that if you didn't make certain choices, you were dead. Oh yeah, right. And that that going back to women, if you were a woman, and you didn't find a man, 
to protect you and you didn't make the best match you could make, your life was pretty miserable. You you were never going to f- be fulfilled and, and you were never going to even be safe. So in, in a sense, what we've got is we've got this illusion that we have choices and we keep, we also keep thinking we have these choices beyond a certain age, right? Because really a lot of your choices are very early in life. And, and the choices you make early in life are sort of the ones that that make who you are. But are you at your age, are you going to become a major sports figure, a boxer, a football player? Uh, are you going to be a concert pianist at your age? Are you going to now, I'm going to study piano, I'm going to be a concert pianist. Isn't that choice gone now for you? I don't think so. I do. You are never, you can't now at the age of 32 go because of, biology you cannot basically make certain things out of your life that you could have if you started when you were eight or nine or ten years old i don't think i could play because developmentally you can't ever reach that place anymore you don't have enough time you don't have enough of the the plasticity of your mind is gone right if you go to developmental science you can't your options get smaller and smaller the further you go now uh, you know at my age i have even fewer options right Mm -hmm. there's all kinds of things i can't begin to do and then accomplish and probably shouldn't try right i also think it's it's also impossible until someone does it though i couldn't i can't there's there's a physiological limit i am 32 I, i yeah physiological limits and there's also an age limit um look there's 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 certain things you can do them beyond a certain age you can try but it's going to be three times as hard and it's going to be um you're probably not going to get there you're probably spinning your wheels sure i knew i knew a guy in valdosta georgia who uh was uh uh, left left the marines after a couple tours in iraq and after spending a couple years selling meth in the backwoods of georgia had a come to Jesus moment and uh, took out some loans. He had enough for two years of loans. So he got a four year degree in two years. And it's what if it's 2022 now, he's finishing up his residency to be a surgeon now. And that guy was from a bumfuck broken household. Mm-hmm. Physiologically, no, he'll never join the MLB. But he did the impossible. Physiologically, maybe you're right. Maybe the plasticity of learning the violin and playing at Juilliard, that might be gone. Right. There are things, see, and, and here's the thing is, I remember, you know, I, I got this propaganda. When I was younger, they were starting it out. They were doing it on you, really, from the time you were a baby, is you can be anything you want to be. That's a lie. Oh, that's 100% a lie. Yeah, it's 100% lie. Like, you can never be the king of England. Sorry. There's, that's just not going to happen. I mean... Uh, there are unlikely things that happen, but you can't predicate your life on some fluke that's going to make you the king of England. Oh, I'm going to be the king. You're going to be walking around in a delusion. And what I would say, one of the problems we have with this idea that we have all these unlimited options is it's we are not recognizing human limitation, that your lifespan is limited. Life is a timed event. You are born with certain talents and certain limitations. And that is that is the given 
And you have to play from that. You have to act according to that. And it and it carries on. It carries on into into there's larger social implications. Mm -hmm. And this whole idea that they have given to young people today, that you can be anything you want. This is why we have millions of people coming from other countries to want to clean our toilets and do all our grunge work because we got all these great possibilities, right? We don't, we're never going to do that work. And, and basically, I mean, like my parents would say, my parents are from the depression generation. When, you know what summer vacation was about? It was going to grandpa's farm to go pick crops. Yeah. Right. To go work in the fields. That was agricultural work. When half of everybody was born on a farm, Right. And even the, the kids that were on the cities, their grandparents had farms and everybody could go back to that. We don't have that anymore. And and the whole thing is, is that that young people did all this work. I worked at McDonald's. I worked as a janitor. I did all these grunge jobs. Right. When I was young. Now, oh, no, we got possibilities. I'm not going to work at McDonald's. I'm not going to waste my time. I'm going to no. The thing is, is that um, we now are so precious and so special that we have forgotten really who and what we are and what our limitations are. See, I think that's the self, uh, <clears throat> I think that's the self-renewing pool of America, though, is I don't deny that, that people are too good for those jobs now. And I think that they will die off as eventually they hit rock bottom, the trust fund will run out and the low D on fentanyl under an overpass. But you're going to have some first generation immigrant who's cleaning toilets 20 hours a day and who's going to raise a kid who's not going to be coddled. And then you have the birthing story of every true entrepreneur in this country who started as like, you read about like, Vanderbilt or Carnegie like bare knuckle boxing on like the ports and you're like what the fuck and like then they climb to the highest level of, of society that's what we're birthed from so I guess that's why I'm not too concerned because the people I see with 19 colors in their hair and claiming that they're 14 genders I look at that as like a like a star burning out it's going out in a final brilliant gla blaze of glory and color and then the person on the street who is, you know, a former meth dealer who's now, I'm like, why are you taking 30 credit hours a semester? And he's like, I only, cause I don't have enough money for four years. And he's now becoming a physician. He's got two little kids who are now like four. Those kids aren't going to be raised with, uh, they're not going to have any false illusions about the world. Cause I know for a fact that guy won't give it to them. They're going to grow up. And in 50 years, they're going to be these hard charging guys and it's going to keep renewing itself. So the, the icons and 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 wealth centers of yesterday are producing the 19 gendered self-eliminating eunuchs of today and then the people crossing the border in the middle of the night now are though it's a small percentage are creating the titans of 50 years from now so unfortunately I, though the problem with that is that that's not really exactly what's happening well of course it's all on the spectrum and and what I mean by that is that um, the people that are coming from other countries are not Americans. And so they are coming from an, other cultures. Well, sure. And they are not, and many of them are not, not Europeans, not to make a racist comment, but they do not have 
we are not, how do, how are they going to people from India? We've got in, in Atlanta, Georgia, for example, a lot of high-end Brahmins, right? People who are from the upper mm -hmm. Indian society, they really despise white people, right? They really despise. Well, uh, hey, right, right. If you're, if you're a racist motherfucker, you're going to Christian, you're going right? to fit in just well here because that's kind of what we're born on. Right. Well, the, and so what I'm saying is, is that, okay, you might be tolerant, but the people coming in, and these are wealthy people from a third world country, is an example. They are voting Democrat. Mm -hmm. They don't like Christianity because they're Hindus, mm -hmm. right? So how is it going to work? When has there ever been a society in which you have it? So it's like, it's only about succeeding financially. And it's not about, you know, sharing common history, common culture, a, a common ethnic background. Where do you have a society that, and, and you have a melting pot. What if it, what if it's not, what if they're not, what if the thing they're becoming is, what is it? It's not American anymore. Look, we, we called it, I remember we got the propaganda and it was a communist that gave it to me. I know she was a communist when I was in getting my teaching credential. It's all multiculturalism now. Mm -hmm. So what happens to American culture? It's gone. American culture is racism, sexism, classism. So we get rid of it and we have all the races and all the, you know, all the, the, the groups together. And of course, if we're all those things, we're none of those things. And so what you're doing is you're basically by having an open border and letting these people in, oh, that's great if you're a libertarian and you actually believe that man is this rational animal and that he doesn't have a tribal, uh, a tribal part of himself and he doesn't have these other things. Yeah, what happened to Yugoslavia? Mm -hmm. Yugoslavia, the Southern Slavs, they all speak the same language. Right. They're racially, ethnically the same, except this person's grandmother went to the mosque and he's a Bosnian. This one went to the Catholic Church. He's a Croatian at uh, Croatian. And this one went to the Orthodox Church. He's a Serbian. And then all of a sudden Tito dies and they all start killing each other, murdering, mm -hmm. massacring each other. Why? Because their grandparents went to a different kind of had a different religion, although they have the same race, they have the same language and all of it. That's the reason they're killing each other. You are creating now in America that there's not just one dimension uh, of a reason for people to hate and kill each other. You're creating all kinds of differences that people kill each other over in other countries. You are destroying the, the unity by creating this myth that everybody can get along with everybody else and live within the borders of the same political entity and history shows us that just isn't true. I mean, I'm not a racist. I don't think you should discriminate against anybody. But the problem is people are tribal and there's that primitive side of people. And if you if they don't have their own state, each tribe will fight for control over the state that they're all competing to dominate. Mm -hmm. And that's just part of human nature. And if in Germany, where you have like 1% of the population is Jewish, and you can get a Hitler who decides he's going to eradicate that 1%, what are you doing when you have these larger percentages of people that don't see eye to eye? They come from completely different cultures. They have completely different religions. They don't even look like each other. What did, where, are you, where are you headed? See, that's the, that's the problem is, is that the limitations, right? It's like my, one of my favorite philosophers, Dirty Harry Callahan from Magnum Force, right? Mm 
A man's got to know his limitations, is the phrase he keeps repeating throughout that movie. We don't, we think of all these possibilities. Oh, we can all live together. We can all have peace. It's the, the Coca-Cola song, right? We're all going to have a giant hug and we're going to, but we don't think about the limits of human nature. It's like, you're really testing human nature here. And, and it's the same thing with this, the, with, with the elections and with, you know, we're, we're, we're testing human nature here and we're also testing the limits of, of economy. Because now every group is trying to get, look at these budgets. We're going to have a $9 trillion budget here. We're going to have a $7.7 .7 trillion budget this year. And I think in a couple of years, it's projected to be $9 trillion. How do we maintain when, when you have all this pork and every group has got to get theirs? How are you going to maintain it? It's going to collapse. And when it collapses, what do you have? Do you have a bunch of people hugging each other and saying, oh, we're going to all help each other? Or do you have a whole bunch of maniacs shooting at each other from Bell Towers because they have different mm -hmm. differences? I, I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying. I, right. just, I guess I'm a little more, I guess I'm a little more detached from it in that I've never had any illusions about everyone getting along here. I've never, not in a single history book, have I ever read that I think we get along. I think I've just kind of accepted that there will, within cities, there will be gangs. Within states, there will be different cities. Within regions of America, there'll be different states. You'll have the South, or you know, you'll have the chill California West Coast, or you'll have the bitter New England. I've just never had any illusions about us getting along. I think I look at it more as like one from a point of view of like i can't criticize it because my family is a bunch of dirty irish immigrant pigs who came here and so i i personally can't criticize it because it's like the same reason that i have to get ba i had to get banned from youtube because i couldn't have this flag behind me but still be a, a a beta cuck with a dick in my ass and say well i'm not gonna talk about that i had to stand up for free speech knowing i would get banned so on like a on like a on like a rational level i can't necessarily be against legal immigration because that's why i'm here and in terms of illusions about us getting along i've never thought that i've always had a much more i look at it and i think that there's a lot of window dressing and there's a lot of there's a lot of luxury but i've never had any illusion about it all comes down to the pursuit of money and I've everything else is a is something that's tacked along on the way. It's a drawing a sharpie on the side of a of a rocket. And yeah, sure, my name's going to go up into space, but my name had nothing to do with it. I look at things as yes, it's always been tribal. It will always be tribal. Any appearance that it's not is going to be some carefully curated mainstream propaganda. It'll always be propagandized. There will always be vicious tribalism. We're all armed to the fucking teeth to fight a tyrannical government, but it also works as you can never truly outdo every other group because every other group can just go buy an AR. And we are all out for our own self-interest to make money. And so whereas that may seem like a, a dark, cynical view of America, to me, that's the optimistic view. I'm like, that's why we're here, is to well, pursue money. And we're all playing a game of musical chairs, pretending not to try to kill the other tribe first. And so long as we have food, 
and the doors lock, we're probably not going to kill each other. I don't know where that goes in 100 years. Well, let me make another suggestion. I think I'm going to add another <laughs> layer to this. Okay, yeah. so you have all these tribes. You have something called ecumenism, right? When you had just tribes or small city-states, they had their local household gods. They had, you know, the Greeks had their Olympian gods. You had the Egyptians with theirs. You had the Romans. And then all of a sudden you have Cyrus the Great, the Persian Empire suddenly taking over a whole regions, right? So then you 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 have this ideology or or what they call an ecumenic thing that can how can you bind all these people together? You have a theology or you have um an ideology that binds them together. You have Alexander the Great, you have the Romans. So how do you do it? Because you have to, so the Romans then bring the temples of the other gods all to Rome and they bring it all together. And in, in, in the end, the Greek philosophers and the Hebrew prophets would go, Hey, we can, we can kind of, we can kind of make this, this is universal man. There's one God, not a whole bunch of God, not the Olympian gods, not the Egyptian gods, not the Roman gods. There's one God, one creator God. So you have ecumenism, right? You have this, this larger idea that can allow all the tribes to unite. And then you have out of that, you have dogma. You have a, you have a doctrine of, of the, you know, Catholicism or which was in the West before the Reformation, right? It was what everybody in Europe, they believed. It was the Catholic Church. And of course, in, in the East, it was the Orthodox Church. You had, so you had this, this larger space. We see in America, our ecumenism is the Constitution, mm -hmm. right? And it was Christianity because just about, you know, the number of people who were atheists or belonged to other religions was just this tiny amount. So this ecumenism united us. But what you have have now gone on is that at some point, the profundity of the thinking behind the Constitution, the profundity of the thinking behind Christianity devolves, right? Because it's it's a doctrine, right? The Constitution is a doctrine, right? Doctrine and a legal doctrine, a political doctrine. And you have Christianity, which is the doctrines of, of the church or of the churches at some point when those things people are just repeating them because for this large mass of people what are you doing you're educating everybody to follow the doctrines now no nobody is now actually in touch with the founders with the thinking of the founders with what inspired them nobody is reading in latin um you know cicero like the founding fathers were right? Or Polybius. Uh, nobody's reading them in their original languages anymore. And so now we, we don't even know, most of us even know what the founding fathers and the, what, what the constitution, how it was made and why, because we don't even have the basic education of, a, of, of, the, of the classical world to help us understand Adams and Washington and, 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 and Jefferson and, and, and Madison and John Jay and Alexander Hamilton. We don't have it. So what is it? It's just, oh, the Constitution is just now a word, right? And the Bill of Rights, those are just, we just, oh yeah, you're right to, and we think we know what we even mean by the word right. And in the, in Christianity, people throw out these repetitive things about, that are from their religion, but they no longer understand it probably anymore. 
And so then you have, now you have people who actually have taken the idea of a doctrine of an ecumenizing thing. And they've said, oh, well, we need, you know, if we're going to have people come from everywhere, we need critical race theory. We need to educate everybody in critical race theory. We got to make white people feel bad about things that have happened. And then we need that. And then, so now we're inventing doctrines, right? Because out of a, out of a desire to transform our society through some rationalistic idea. And so we no longer have, um, we no longer have the organic ecumenism that formed out of the middle ages out of antiquity out of out of the christianity that came out of that and and the constitution that came out of that contact with the ancient world we've lost it and now we're all these things are new we're inventing these ideologies right mostly it's it's out of marxism it's coming from that it's all the wokeism that mm -hmm. it's all really new it doesn't have any antiquity to it it's never worked anywhere nobody's i mean they tried it in the a version in the soviet union and right they've got it in china we're we're adding to that right so these ideologies all of these ideologies are basically and this is what i'm just going to tell you they're just lies they're empty mm -hmm. there's there's nothing in these ideologies they're putting forward and in fact they're just destroying us they're destroying our unity they're destroying our economy. They're destroying our ability to defend ourselves and also to reproduce because feminism is one of these ideas. And it's basically telling women not to be women, not to be moms, making them feel bad if they are. So, and still there's enough women that follow their instincts that we're, well, we're not keeping up with our replacement rate. And so you're going to tell me now that people coming from these other societies come here. Well, these people coming from the other societies, they're ideal to be given critical race theory because they come here and now they know they're against. They're taught to say the white people who ran America, that own America, that are America, they have to be eradicated. They have to be on their knees. Remember the summer of 2020? Mm -hmm. Right? And so... The problem with it is that you have this, the, then you have psychopaths. Psychopaths are real. They exist. And now you've created like a vortex, right? We got the polar vortex and all this cold air. And we got this political vortex of these ideologies, which are basically tailor-made to promote killing people for the fun of it. We're going to kill white people for the fun of it. We're going to burn churches for the fun of it. Remember when they were talking about burning Christian churches mm -hmm. during 2020? The, the, what I'm telling you is that that the ideas that are now promoted everywhere, and they're promoted better and better and faster and faster the more you bring people in who aren't white, not because, not because I'm a racist, but because the left is amazingly race conscious. Mm-hmm. They've made race into it, you know, into the thing because they realize that the Western culture that traces back to Greece and Rome and that has the Christian religion, that culture, America, that's what they're trying to overthrow. And if they can get people to come here who don't share that background and they could say, look at these white people and their awful religion and their awful racism, we have to put them down. You have the basis for the revolution. And now you have you have basically Marxism using wokeism 
to create global socialism or totalitarianism. And I think that most of the people, when you were talking about the vaccines, and you're not allowed to question them, you're not allowed to question elections, and you're not allowed to question um, global warming. Global warming is to destroy our ability to make fuel, so we will be mm -hmm. disempowered. We will be sabotaged. The vaccines, God knows what that is. If Judicial Watch is right, Naomi Wolf is right about that, um, that the Chinese are really behind Pfizer, they're also behind Moderna, is that a biological attack on us? You know, I don't know. I, I just, you know, it's really bizarre when you make, you, you want to make everybody in the first world take a vaccine. What's the first world? It's all the white people are in the first world. The golden billion, right, that Putin mocks. The golden billion, all the NATO countries, by the way. You're going to make everyone in those countries take a vaccine. And now you find out that one of the four vaccines was made in China. And one of the nine testing groups was a PLA general was in charge of it. And we knew nothing about it. And the first factory to make the vaccine was in Shanghai. Then they built one in, 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 what was it near in Boston? I forget where they bought the, they built the first two made in China. So the, Chi so what I'm basically suggesting is, is that, um, this this free-for-all where everything is okay and we can do what we want is not it's not good it's not working out it's just a it's creates an environment in which we all uh can be attacked we can all be taken down <clears throat> i'm gonna go to the bathroom real quick and then we're gonna continue this talk okay Jeff. all right Tell them where to find you. Oh, shit. All right. Um, my website is jrnyquist at, um, uh, well, my uh, my website is jrnyquist.blog. My older site is jrnyquist.com, but go to jrnyquist.blog. I've got books on Amazon. You can go to my Amazon page. The Fool and His Enemy is uh, a great little book. You can read it in about three hours. My more recent book is The Lies We Believe In. And my oldest book is The The Origins of the Fourth World War. And I've, I've co-authored books with some other people like uh, The New Tactics of Global War and uh, Red Jihad uh, and Back from the Dead, Return of the Evil Empire. So you can find most of those online um, and and you can, um, you can definitely um, do that. What I was uh, basically trying to explain is how things are disintegrating around us, that you actually have to have, human beings have to live in a kind of ordered existence. And when you depart from certain traditional forms of organization and um, ideas, then you open yourself up to a kind of disintegration or disorientation. And um, that is what I think we have done. And a lot of the new ideas that you can be anything that a society can be molded and it can be infinitely tolerant and infinitely uh, diverse and it can all work is utopian nonsense. And that um, it isn't, you don't, you don't want to maintain a certain degree of homogeneity because you're a racist. You want to maintain that because you're frightened by the idea of a society becoming divided by race, divided 
in, in certain ways. And that enemies, when you have a society that has certain vulnerabilities, both enemies within criminal elements within a country and enemies outside of a country can exploit those errors, those weaknesses that you have you have opened yourself up for. And, and when we do these things, what we lose is when we're just thinking economically about, oh, it's just about making money. We have lost our instinct as members of a society or members of families or, or human beings that live in a social context, in a historical context, that look back to ancestors and look ahead to posterity. What was it Edmund Burke said? People who do not look back on their ancestors will not look forward to their posterity. They won't think of the people that come after them. So there is a there are structures. Um, so I was just I just gave a little blurb and explained there are structures to things, and those are those structures are our limitations. So um, <clears throat> sorry. Um uh, I was gonna say I kind of want to circle all the way back to talking about Hitler and fitness in that he was the most fit for that by virtue of the fact that it happened we have to look at it as in that in that microcosm again it's like a what what is it called it's like the uh it's like the coastline phenomena or something where it's like how do you define a coastline and if you take like a simplified map of America, you can just, you know, you're like, all right, West Coast, East Coast, it's this many miles. And then if you zoom in and you go into like every harbor, it's like, well, it increases dramatically. And it's like, well, then what happens if you zoom in every more and you go into like every little tiny rock? Well, then what happens if you go down to every grain of sand? And it's you can theoretically have a coastline that's a thousand miles or that same coastline based on enhanced resolution could be 700 trillion light years whatever so it all depends on like what you were looking at it in so and then if something happened you have to say well there's a reason it happened why did it happen and if it doesn't look like it makes sense from where we are then we're not looking at it from the right by virtue of the fact it happened it did happen for a reason we are looking at it from the wrong the wrong frame and so Hitler coming to power, killing six million Jews, killing six million more gypsies and homosexuals and Roma, plunging the world into World War II, which, what, 85 million dead, including civilians. That is in, by, by no one with a rational, even an optimistic psychopath would still tell you that that, that, that's a, that was a bad thing. But, and, and of course, it was psychopaths sure. who found killing fun. Sure, who latched onto that that regime Absolutely. and latched onto that ideology. Absolutely, but because it happened against all odds, we have to look at it and say, yes, that was fitness for why it happened. Why did it happen? He was a psychopath. He the psychopaths followed him. It was the perfect blend of humiliation from the Treaty of Versailles and the collapse of the Mark to a rise of a guy who was in World War One, who was rejected from art school, was a total piece of shit, blamed everyone for everything, who himself was abused by his to the point of pissing his pants till he was a teenager by his father, and he'd be abused his dog too. 
you have this perfect storm of evil. And then along with his personal physician, who he got friends with when he came to power, Tedor Morel, who just happened to be found a brand new thing that was a little stronger than coffee. It was called pervitin. We know it as crystal methamphetamine. And then all of the psychosomatic ripples that that does to one society. And then what happens when someone who has control of society starts doing drugs? Well, instead of just me becoming a deadbeat and my podcast failing, my very nation fails. And then, or, with or the, the fact that Dr. Morell was really uh, actually a specialist in treating syphilis. Oh yeah, no, you know he, yeah, yeah. He, he, but he was giving them all these drugs. He was giving them right. barbiturates and oxycodone. But he was giving them. He was giving them actually a a a. a he was giving him um, poisons that were yeah. were like chemotherapy for syphilis. So all of these things, and then that itself was placed on top of a. Uh, well, then why were the Germans so good at engineering? If you looked at it from just 1933 to 45, you'd go, so does being a psychopath make you a good engineer? Well, no, you have to zoom out even more and look at the history of the Krupp industry and how like, oh, this was hundreds of years of Germanic whatever personalities resulting in this engineering prowess. And it was the Nazis at the very tail end of it who took it. Where you, you're talking about a deformation of but, society and thinking, right? But- Within that window, this guy did come to power and people did follow him. So in that window, we have to look at it and go, yes, that was Jeffrey Dahmer. That was fitness. He got away with more than one. It ain't good. 9-11 was fitness. They did the most damage with the least amount of investment. You don't have to like it. That is fitness. Unit 731 under Japan, they looked at the United States as a machine society and said, well, we can't fight them person for person, machine for machine. But what if we took plague and put it in rats and drop it from artillery shells? That is fitness. That is how I look at it is like if it happened, it happened. Us versus dinosaurs on the fields of of Africa, we're fucked. What about when an asteroid hits? Well, then all of a sudden the shrew is the king. So that is how I look at it. So was Hitler fit? Yes. That doesn't mean it's good. By n cancer, cancer in a terms of natural selection, cancer that wins and kills the host, as sad as it is and as brutal as it is to lose a loved one. Biologically, that cancer ran the field. It won. Biologically, but you see it's a pathology. It's a disease. Oh, it absolutely is. So Hitler's a disease. Absolutely. Pure evil. He's a disease. He's but a pathology. It, but in that time frame, it won. Now you zoom out and you go, oh, but you, over you centuries. Don't, you, but you see, it is not, Hitler did not occur randomly. No, no, no. And here, just let me finish up this point. Mm -hmm. Sure. So then we have to go, well, if we're talking about relative time frames, what happens when we zoom out even more? And then you look at it and go, it's absolutely not fit. Look at Japan. Where's Japan compared to America or China today? Absolutely not fit. So then you zoom out more and you go, oh, those were not fit at all. And then you could zoom out even more. And in 10,000 years, whatever has happened, Finland might be in charge. And we might go, we used to think the Great American Experiment was it. But who would have known that in the year 2420, fucking Finland did X, Y, and Z. And that is the pinnacle of, and then someone with enough of a brain will say, for now, until we zoom out even more. So that's where it's it's not a pro or against. It's just my own observation. Mm -hmm. Something is fit for the, a forest fire is the most fit fire. It might only be for a weekend. Zoom, it, so it's all depends on how much are we zooming out? How much are we zooming in?
It's well, not. is there is there a kind of wisdom that allows you in the moment without having without zooming in or out that can mm -hmm. allow you in the moment to look at something and go, uh oh, I know where that's going. I know that's bad. I know he's a disease, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. So, and and don't you think it's possible that somebody who has enough knowledge of history, who has enough philosophy, ha might have wisdom and might be able to look at John Fetterman, whether or not he's had a stroke or not, and say, he's a symptom of a disease, of a diseased society. Or look at the birth rate mm -hmm. and say, that's a diseased society. Or look at the the choices that people make on a mass level. Uh, choices for drugs, for self-medication, and say, that's a pathological society. That's a society on the way out. And then people say, oh, you're too pessimistic. You're, you know, that's doomsday stuff. It, but it has nothing to do with pessimism. You're actually just looking at it from this larger wisdom and saying, oh, yeah, that's not going to be sustainable, right? Yeah. And then to, to tack on to that, just playing devil's advocate, because I get you 100%. You're looking at it, you're going, this isn't for or against. You go, I'm just observing this pattern. You just, you just disconnected. Um, yeah, I'm here. Oh, oh, I then have to have my own humility and go, what about, you know, those, what about those like music who do, we don't even know the names of? They're so irrelevant. But like head record labels at the time being like, these Beatles are retards or what? They're going to flop like a Led Zeppelin. Or you have you have blockbuster scoffing at buying Netflix for five million, mm -hmm. or you have you know you have the the Red Sox going yeah we don't want Babe Ruth anymore. I also have the have to have the humility to look at Bill Gates saying in the eighties no one will ever need more than five hundred kilobytes of memory. Mm -hmm. I have to look at things and go, there have also been intelligent people who have scoffed not not just random people but experts in their field. Yeah, but would you call any of those people wise? I don't know. Up until that prediction, I think you would call them wise. If somebody had hit after hit after hit. Well, what's, the, guy the, that difference, what's the difference between wisdom and expertise? Oh, I think they're the same. You do? I think it would all come down to time frames again. You could be an expert. Well, no, no, you're right. No, we you're talking be... about philosophy being the love of wisdom, the uh -huh. love of the, that that knowledge that allows you to tell whether something is good or bad and where something is headed, whether it's headed in the good direction or the bad one, right? Where you can you actually can make these evaluations. I think one example would be I remember again my genetics professor used the example of this uh there's there's like this Hawaiian like tribe or something in like the fifties, and they would have these uh, they would have these like events like once a year or like once a full moon or whatever, and it was uh, <clears throat> they would drink kerosene, the alpha males would drink kerosene, for real, and it'd fucking kill them. Yeah, but, that would be pretty lethal. That's a not a that's no toxic. no oh not not good at all not good at why, all. Why why would they do this? It was just a it was it was the most it it was you had beer and then you had alcohol and then you had tequila and then you had like a really high proof Everclear and it was just who what was the hardest thing to keep down kerosene and the guys that would drink it and who could keep it down the longest were often like the biggest buffest guys and in that night of the kerosene drinking 
because they were now the alpha males, the indisputable. That guy just took nine shots of fucking gasoline. They would have their pick of the women because that was the new king. That guy would have. He would get 10 women pregnant in a night. He'd be dead the next morning. But that guy's genes <laughs> superseded everyone's. And I want to say it was way before the 50s because it went on for several generations. Maybe it was like the 1850s. But it went on for several generations. So then these kids would grow up to be 18. Just these big alpha studs who we would look at now as like a first round NFL pick. And it's these just huge 6'6 guys with abs and pecs and arms. And they could take down 12 shots. And they'd fucking die. But they'd fuck like 20 chicks that night. And so in that time frame, you go, that is the most fit specimen. You zoom out a little more and you go, oh, we're just breeding brain dead leviathans. So it's, well, it's a it's an unfit society that does yes. that. So then you have to you, it it and I know this seems it, it this is a it's it's a cop out and it seems like uh, Tommy you're not standing on any firm ground you're just saying it depends on the time frame but that's how I have to look at it I gotta go yeah in that fifty years sure you'd say maybe kerosene drinkers are fit you zoom but out you and see you go, there is no, a, there is dead. an ultimate frame and that is the universe sure. The universe is wasn't here at one point, and it's going to be not here. So there is an there is a place, or not a, a place that's not a place, right? I'm going to use a metaphor that we are all we all came from, and we're all heading back to, right? Mm -hmm. The oblivion of, or or what Verglund would call the divine ground out of which man came out, and mm -hmm. which, to which mankind returns. Yeah, and that that is the perspective from which to judge all this right well, should, so, from outside of it from the mind that gave birth to it all right from that highest perspective which is a lot of mystery about it we don't we're, we're human beings so we have this limited view of everything but isn't that view the, the ultimate view frame. the view of the divine the divine position from which to look down isn't that the position that we should attempt to try to see things through. And so I'm a hundred percent. I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think the ultimate time frame is not a one microsecond time frame of seeing which atoms split more efficiently or a 10 year time frame to see who can drink the most kerosene or a 10th century time frame to see how efficient is the military industrial complex. I ultimately think it is the ultimate time frame. And my personal belief in that, and it's it's rooted in belief in God and my own examinations of consciousness and the realization that the only thing I can be sure of is that I exist. I don't even know if time exists. I, I don't. Am I actually looking back at memories or am I just creating memories now, just like I haven't lived in the future, but I am projecting my own predictions and thoughts and apprehensions and excitements on what it will be. It all has all boiled down to this. And, and who knows, maybe it would be different if I was a clinical psychopath, but I'm not to my knowledge. My ultimate time frame is I think we do good to others, not only because it feels good and not only because we hope good is done to us, but I think that's what God wants us to do. But even that is that's limited within my own mind. The ultimate time frame, be it algae or be it planets. Well, the classical philosophers said that no man is happy until he's dead. Yeah. You can't say that any man is happy until he's dead pretty good one and and they they basically said that <sighs> living is 
basically preparing for death. That's what it is. So um, trying to take this ultimate perspective, um, uh, Montaigne, the famous French essayist, wrote a long essay on this about make death your advisor. You know, commune with your death. Of course, he was influenced by the ancient philosophers. He was very, uh, as a baby, he was given he was given Latin to be his the first language that he would know, so that his nurses and everybody around him only spoke Latin. So he was given that as his first language. So he he was like a naturally an ancient person. You know, they created it. I mean, his parents were kind of doing an experiment with their son, right? Mm -hmm. They were giving him this. The, uh, they weren't giving him French as his first language. Um, but it it is, if we want to see things from the highest possible perspective, which is, you know, the, in in terms of, of, of philosophy, the wisest, to see it from, as you would say, the, the highest heights, to see it from where God sees everything, to go, oh gosh, what a worm am I? What am I doing wrong? If you could see yourself from your own death, would you do it differently? Of course you would. If you're just chasing your tail all the time, you know, trying to do this and that, that's when, when you get, what is maturity? When you get, okay, I've got twice as many years to look back on as you do. So that actually is like being twice as high up the mountain, right? Because I'm looking mm -hmm. back on more years and I can see more, mm -hmm. right? So it, so what I have experienced and what I look back on is more complete of what life is. You know, I don't have that much left, right? That much left before you go over. So I'm a lot closer to that door going to that other place, which is not a place, right? So... It is, it, and, and we talk about the wisdom of age. Well, the wisdom of age is, 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 well, there's no fool like an old fool, but if you can actually, if you're thinking through life, if your life is not unexamined and you look down on it as you go and you, you are getting that higher perspective. And of course, you're at the age where I think you get the first perspective starts to come into focus. Mm -hmm. There's a, somewhere around your age is when, something happens if you're if you're aware and you're thinking you actually certain things come into focus for you and it's 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 throughout life you go through these phases and you go wow i you just didn't understand mm -hmm. when you were in your 20s or your teens or whatever but now all of a sudden it starts to come together and and people who are near death they have this they can have these epiphanies right you hear about this and people have near-death experiences and have the epiphanies you know they're kind of changed and then you start to have the the interesting epiphany of if only i knew that at 18 if only i knew that at 25 and then you get the the hold on a second what am i doing now that i don't realize which is why i always have to conclude like whatever stance i'm taking even even within this own podcast if i go back two years and look at a podcast i'm like oh you idiot so whatever stance i'm taking now this whole what hour and a half we've been talking about time frames and relative natural selection even all of this 
is with the asterisk of this is what I'm thinking at 32 years, three months and 13 days of living because I don't know. I might be. Well, philosophically, there is no evolution because every individual you live life, life is lived by individuals and all individuals die. Mm -hmm. The only evolution they know is what takes place in the span of their life. Mm -hmm. That's the only growth or whatever that happens because their life ends. That's it. And the thing is, is there is no, all experiences are, as Carl Jung pointed out and other people pointed out, are individual. They don't belong to groups, belong to individuals. I can learn from you. I can learn from my dad or my grandfather, but I'm not, I can't, I'm not living his life. I'm just picking a few things to help give me an advantage, which we all do when we learn. That's just part of my journey is what I can get from my ancestors. But it's really just all within the span of Your the one person's existence. So, so basically elimination, death, is absolute for each individual Mm -hmm. and then so it comes down to like well if only i could learn everything from everyone and then when you're not going to survive forever no and then when you have loving parents like mine who it's like wait they they instilled in you early the importance of you know of uh you know refraining or at least in moderation any you know pleasure my own grandmother my and my it was always just like you know have a little less ice cream than you want you know you know get out of bed even when you want to roll back over read a little bit longer you know a uh, uh, work hard don't blame others even if like even if rationally you can don't blame others because it doesn't matter like just uh, you know start saving even when you're seven just start saving why because like one day you know you can't see it now but you'll be happy that you have a nest all these things you know do charity understand that you know you were born into a better life than most despite really being given the cheat sheet for life the very virtue of the fact that i was given it 18 year old testosterone filled me fuck that i'm gonna go to college i'm gonna party i'm gonna skip classes it's cool to it's cool to fail in school flies in the face of all rational thought and then only through that sort of baptism by fire through no one making me did I stop drinking, stop smoking pot, start dieting, exercising every morning, reading, and getting into medical school? And it's like, so even if you are handed the keys to the castle, you still throw them out the fucking window. So then you have to conclude, again, from 32 years of living, who knows what I'll conclude next year, that it's about the process of learning, period. It's not about being given, if I'm given the answers, I'm still going to, if somebody gives me the cheat sheet to the video game, I'm still going to throw it out the window just so I can play the game on my own and learn. Mm -hmm. So then you have to conclude that really what we're after is the process of learning and of trial and error for no other, who knows, maybe it just tickles the human brain in a way that we enjoy that we like doing the puzzle. The meaning is not survival of the fittest, but it's death and accounting, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Survival of the fittest works depending on what frame you're looking at. From a raw, objective, biological viewpoint, you go, yeah, sure. In microbiology, natural selection, yeah, it's very apparent. Versus you live in your own life. 
I couldn't give less of a shit about how someone else defined my my fitness. If I live a lot, someone might look at me and go, if you were a doctor, you would have had higher job security. You would have been a respected contributing member of society and you'd be married with kids by now. And I'd be going, but I'd be fucking miserable. If you do a podcast, you're going to be doing it from your own bedroom. And I'm having a blast. So and well, and then, of course, you might be forced now in this current society because we are living in a pathology, right? We're living in a pathological a system that's breaking down, that's disintegrating. Anybody that tells you America's not disintegrating, they're just lying to themselves and to you. It's disintegrating. That's a fact. And you people can argue about it all they want, but it's a fact. And the thing is, is that that when you see that it's pathological and you start looking at it with an eye to where it's all headed, then you know that it is it 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 is what is going to happen is there's going to be a lot of death and there's going to be an accounting. Mm-hmm. And whatever does happen to survive, you better hope that that those people that survive can get some wisdom out of it to mm-hmm. start again, because that's all there's going to be. Because they're going to have to start again, because mm-hmm. there's going to be destruction, like with World War II, mm-hmm. only worse. Oh, yeah. Um, to kind of get back to what we were saying about China before I went into a bathroom break. Is uh the comedian Tim Dillon said it in like summer 2020 because he's a he, he's brilliant, he's hilarious. And he goes, Guys, he goes, I love America too. But he goes, You got to admit, if the Chinese make a bioweapon and then they develop a vaccine and we all take the vaccine and then they switch on some 5G network and it kills us all, he goes, You got to slow cap it, you got to slow cap it. They won. Does that mean that a a dictatorial Chinese world government is the best? Certainly not. But if they win, you would have to say that that is, that was the most fit. Doesn't mean it's good. Doesn't mean it's approved in the eyes of God or universal morals. It means we got stupid and weak and we lost sight of our enemy and strategy and we fooled and lied to ourselves Mm -hmm. and we got wiped out because we allowed it, because we tolerated stupidity and weakness and and i think if we ran that simulation for another 250 years i think 2250 china would probably resemble us it'd be not one not two but it'd be 10 12 generations down the road of wealth and security and tolerance and freedom they'd probably start tick-tocking and dyeing their hair neon and saying i identify as a dragon and then some other hungry country that is a little less favorable to human rights would eventually in 250 years, the whatever Chinese empire exists, they will start to look back at their founders the way that we look back at our slave owner found be like they were backwards white men. They'll look back and be like, did you know those generals released uh, released COVID to wipe out America? And then and much like we go, hey, didn't we give like smallpox blankets to the Indians? Actually, that's a fiction. We never did. Whatever we did, kill them all. What, whatever. <laughs> I don't even... kill all of them. A lot of uh, Americans well, I know. have I'm, American I know. Indian blood in them. Me, believe it or not, my uh, fluorescent white skin. I am actually. I think I'm thirty-one, thirty seconds Irish, and then I'm one thirty-second Abenaki. You wouldn't know. But the point is, is much like we look back and we go, "Did you know we killed all the Native Americans?" As sad as it is, I also look at it and go, "Yeah, that's just what happens when a new people come to a new land and they're superior." spoiler alert, humans are brutal and we are directly reaping the benefits from it. So the fact that I can walk down to the Whole Foods and get an organic coffee, that 
was all set in place by the disasters and genocides of the past. In 250 years, you're going to have some woke Chinese kids going, did you know some generals released COVID-19 on America and they wiped out 300 million people? It took five years, but they did it. They stole the elections. They bought all the media companies and censored them. And then some other realist is going to go, yeah, and we fucking won. And eventually... Another 50 years after that, there will be a Jeff Nyquist. There'll be a, a G, a G Nixie. And a, you know, I'm and a... afraid that Chinese history does not have such things. And that if the Chinese win in the way you project, that isn't really going to happen. China's yeah. got a very, very long history. And uh, well, as General Chia yeah. Chen said, is that evil is always won in Chinese history. So we're going to be evil and we're going to win. Yeah. Uh, the 100 Year Marathon by Michael Pillsbury. Talks mm -hmm. about the long, how they don't see themselves as in second place. They just view themselves as temporarily not in first place. Very interesting. Right, right. And but but the thing is, I think objectively, China cannot, on its own, reach the level of civilization that that the West has reached. That all well, of mankind goes backwards. Well, and they, that, uh, China itself will sink back into a medieval kind of society. They, they will. Their their tactic for winning is brilliant. Why do the R and D when you can just steal it all? It's parasitical. What happens when you're it's the top dog? It's also self-defeat. It's also well, self-defeat. Yeah. What happens when you're the top dog? You, if you cheat off everyone to get an A, what happens when you're the smartest kid in the class? Oh, fuck. Who do you cheat off? You're screwed, yeah. And it will eventually fall back and eat itself. But And then you have to, time frames, zoom out even more and go, so was China more fit than America? Or was it just another on? In a frame China, where... China would in in that condition, China would just be your um, your shortcut to the dark ages. Sure, but and everybody would enjoy those dark ages and suffer from those dark ages, including the Chinese. But for a brief window, you would look at it and go, if they managed to beat America through a bioweapon, then they were more fit. Eventually, when you get far enough out from all of them. You go, oh, they all seem to rise and fall in between 250 and 1,000 years, which ultimately leads to the question of, well, what is the ultimate time frame? It's the time frame of the entire universe. What is that drawn upon? Do unto others as you would have liked to have done to you. You know, let death be your advisor. That's the ultimate wisdom. It comes back to that. Right. But ironically enough, by the time you figure it out, it's around the time you start to die. And I don't think that's an accident. I think by the time you start to, by the time you figure out all the best moments of high school, of getting your license, the first time you sneak out and drink is around the time you're finishing up. And that's kind of the catch 22. You can't, you never, you don't realize they're the good old days until they're gone. So like, it's like a built-in nostalgia. By the time you start to figure it out and every once in a while you get lucky enough. I lost a brother when I was 23. I never knew in those first 23 years that the best moments were happening all around me. I was always looking at something else. I am lucky enough that it happened to me when I was 23. And so at 32, I can have the quote unquote wisdom to go, you know what? I hate fucking moving and I can do my job from my bedroom anywhere on the planet. But I'm I'm just going to I'm going to kiss the ass and I'm going to not kiss the ass. That's the wrong phrase. I'm going to bite the bullet. And I'm going to move up to New England because all my family is still there and knock on wood, they're all alive and healthy and they are here and I'm going to visit them next week. I visited some last week and I was like, wow, normally I would buy a plane ticket and have to plan the trip three months ahead. Last Sunday, I decided at 4 PM I was going to go visit family and at 5 PM I was visiting and every once in a while you can get a little bit of wisdom way before you were supposed to get it. 
And I feel like that's the blessing I have now is going, I get to really, truly experience the good old days while they're happening. And it's not forever. And that is, but I couldn't experience this without having lost a brother, which I would undo in a second if I could, even if that meant it removed the wisdom I have now. Right. So it's kind of like every once in a while you get a little taste of it and just enjoy it. Yeah. It's here. Well, enjoy it. Enjoy the sunset here. while it's setting. It's here. Yeah. Well, uh, anyway, this has been fun and uh, I have to go. Oh, you got to. All right. Uh, yeah. I we'll, run. we'll wrap this so, one up. Yeah. So, well, thank you, Tommy, for having me. And uh, this has been an interesting thing. This has been and, a great uh, one, man. We this went is... we went from the election fiasco to uh, to making death our advisor. <laughs> I was going to I was going to say what what a beautiful full circle that it begins with me saying I hate to go after the the low hanging fruit of Trump back on Twitter. <laughs> just the monkey brain <laughs> till we just went full on into absolute truth and morals and the purpose of God and making death your advisor and the fertile divine ground. Maybe we had to get it out of the way. We had to get the 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 lowbrow throwing our shit at each other out of the way early before we could dive in and eat our vegetables of philosophy. Um, but that was great, man. That was absolutely great. All right, let's do it again. Thank you so okay. much. We I, will, I enjoy. Right. I enjoy. I enjoy. I enjoy the philosophical sparring. You're a brilliant guy, and I love having you on, man. I'll send you this episode when it's up. I will put all of your social media, your book, all that good stuff in the description, and I look forward to the next episode. Okay, Tommy. Sounds great. Thank you so All much. Right. God bless, right. everybody.